0: Let's pray. Dear God, we are, uh, we're ready to hear from your word, and we pray that you would speak to us and, uh, just open up our eyes, open up our ears and our hearts and our ability to comprehend and understand all that you want to say to us tonight, and just please be glorified, and it is in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so, as a church, we're reading through the Bible in a year. Uh, we got the reading plan on the back table. You guys know the drill. Um, This last week, we wrapped up the Gospel of John. We're halfway through the book of Acts. Next week, uh, we will not be having a Wednesday night service because it's Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Um, But next week, we're going to finish up the book of Acts. And then the week after that, when we get back, we'll have just completed the book of Romans, and we'll be in the book of 1 Corinthians. And so we're getting to just a very exciting passage of Scripture. I'm just loving loving it all, loving what it is and just what the Lord is saying. Um, But sometimes you come to a passage of Scripture— um, that is just, it's so important that you just need to to kind of park and understand, okay, what is this saying? What does it mean? How does it apply to my life? And so I think tonight is kind of one of those passages. Um, there's a couple elements of the book of Acts that I think are really important for us to understand as believers, uh, especially as believers who want to be faithful and who want to impact the culture that we're in. And so um book of Acts... It's written by Luke. Uh, it really could be 2nd Luke, if you wanted to think of it like that. Um, because Luke, in verse 1, says, The first account I wrote, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do. He says that was you know, part 1, and here's part 2. And so it really is the second part of Luke telling us the story of the church and the, the beginning of Christianity. And um, so if that just helps you to think of it, put it in context a little bit, this isn't a new... It's just a continuation of a thought, okay? But Acts is a unique book in that it actually has a God-ordained outline, because Jesus gives the outline for it uh, uh, himself. So if you look at chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Okay, So that's the outline of the book, because the outline of the book of Acts is here's what happens. The Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples, and then they're his witnesses. And we get to watch um, chapters 1 through 7. We get to watch them be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea. Chapters 8, chapter 8, we get to watch them be his witnesses in Samaria. And then chapter 9 through chapter 28, we get to watch the gospel go to the ends of the earth. And we, right now, are living the fulfillment of that. Right? Because the gospel has come to, in a lot of ways, the remotest parts of the earth. Okay, um, The U.S. is about as far away from Israel as you can get. The gospel has encircled the globe. And so, but tonight, the thing I want us to really uh, dial in on okay, is this word that Jesus says. And he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And it's... Um, You know, we try to not get, you can get like way too into, not way too, but you can get pretty into the Greek and the verbs and the tenses and and sometimes you can sort of get so into the details that you miss the big picture. But sometimes it's important to stop and really look at the details, okay? And so when we're talking about the Holy Spirit and when we're talking about the role of the Holy Spirit as it pertains to the individual believer and as it pertains to the church, it's important for us to understand that the Bible uses Three distinct prepositions to describe the role of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life, okay? And that's with, in, and upon. And if you're curious, there's, it's three separate Greek prepositions. We're not just pulling this out of English translations of the Bible, okay? Um, but as we're looking... what is the gospel teaching? What is is the Bible teaching us? It gives us three distinct perceptions of the role of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So we're going to get to this one that Jesus gives us here, upon. But first I want to go to a couple others. Um, So if you would, flip to John 14, verse uh, 16 and 17. And I should have put bookmarks in all the spots I'm going to flip, but I didn't. So I'll be flipping right along with you guys. Um, In John 14... Verse 16 and 17, Jesus again is speaking. And he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever, that is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. And those are two distinct prepositions, okay? So what is with? Well, if you flip over one page, depending on your print size, to John 16, verse 8, um, Jesus It says, and he, when he comes, and that's Jesus speaking of the Holy Spirit, will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. So the word with is an interesting role of of the Holy Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit is actually, we would say, with every person on earth. The Holy Spirit is here, and he's convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That doesn't mean that every person is walking according to what the Holy Spirit would have them do, but it means he's alongside them. All right, means he's, he's nudging them. He's pushing them. And, and if, if you ever, um, you know, sometimes you'll talk to a person who wasn't always a believer and they'll say, you know, somebody would share the gospel with me and I wouldn't receive it, but man, I could not get it out of my head, right? Well, that's the Holy Spirit being with them, kind of pushing that, saying, hey, maybe you should think about this a little more. Maybe you should look into this. Maybe you should examine this. Sometimes that's the Holy Spirit uh, providing physical protection for people, right? I mean, uh, you know, people have some weird stories about, hey, I missed this or this, you know, seems awfully coincidental that my car got a flat tire, which meant I wasn't in that big wreck and some of that kind of stuff. And and a lot of times I think that's the Holy Spirit being with people, all right? That's with, and while the Holy Spirit is with people, he's convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The other preposition is in, okay? And this one is important. This one happens to every believer at the point in time at which they accept Christ. So John 20, verse 22. Um, This is after Jesus has risen from the dead, but it's before Jesus ascends back into heaven. And in verse 22, it says, And when he had said this, um, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So at this point in time, Jesus, the disciples have believed that Jesus has resurrected from the dead, And Jesus has just told them to receive the Holy Spirit. So are the disciples believers at this point? Well, that's kind of the definition of being a believer, right? You believe that Jesus rose from the dead. So are the disciples believers? Yes. What did Jesus tell them to do? Receive the Holy Spirit. And there's no reason to interpret that as anything other than he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And so they received the Holy Spirit. But then you flip over a page and you're in the book of Acts. And Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. Okay, so when the Holy Spirit comes in you, that's at the moment of salvation. All right, that's when the Holy Spirit is now, he's washed you, he's purified you, he's sanctified you by the blood of Jesus. And so God the Father sees you as holy and righteous and you are going to heaven. That's the Holy Spirit being in you. But then there's a third preposition and that's upon Right? And Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. So that's the basis of the outline of the book of Acts. All right? We're looking at, un, trying to understand a little bit of what does it mean the Holy Spirit is with people? What does it mean the Holy Spirit is in people? But the book of Acts is all about what happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon people. All right? And so go to chapter 2 of Acts, verse 1. And we're going to do uh, just some... We're going to read a couple chunks here and try and go through them. It says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves. And they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven, and when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered, because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear them each in our own language, to which we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and all these other places? And we hear them in our own tongues, speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, They're full of sweet wine. So, so the disciples get filled with the Holy Spirit. They receive power. And the manifestation, in this case, is that they start speaking in tongues. All right, And it's tongues, we're going to try not to get on too much of a rabbit trail on tongues tonight. But the, as the Bible explains it, the role of tongues is to praise God. It's a specific gift from the Holy Spirit that's directed in praise toward God. So all these foreigners are in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost, and they're all listening to these disciples praise the Lord, and everybody's saying, wait a second, that's, I'm hearing that in my, in my heart language or my native tongue, right? And so what's going on? This is kind of weird, because normally, you know, I mean, people from Madison aren't usually fluent in Arab, Arabic and Chinese and, you know, Hungarian, right? And, um... And so it'd be, you know, it's a little awkward, right? And so they're saying, What's going on? And Peter stands up. And without getting super off on a rabbit trail, what Peter says, don't think of that as Peter speaking in tongues right here. Because um, everybody would have been hearing themselves, hearing the disciples praise the Lord in tongues, but the gift of tongues is for praising the Lord. So Peter's going to deliver a sermon. So Peter's most likely just talking in the trade language of the day, which would have been Greek, which. Just about everybody there would have completely understood because it was really the international language. So verse 14 says, But Peter, taking a stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. He says, guys, we're not drunk. It's only third hour would roughly be 9 a.m., um, by the way, the, the Jewish people would count it. Guys, it's 9 a.m. Nobody's drunk at 9 a.m. So we're not drunk. All right? What are we? We're ful- we are the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel. Verse 17 And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my bond slaves, both men and women. I will in those days pour forth my spirit and they shall prophesy. Okay, that's pretty cool. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come and it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Peter says, all right guys, we're just, this, is, this is the fulfillment of what Joel said. Joel had written this uh, like six or 700 years prior, all right, and Peter says, all right, first thing, first thing we should know, what is the symbol, what is the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon the church symbolizes, symbolizes that we're in the last days, and you don't have to get weird about it, we've been in the last days for 2,000 years, all right, but we're in the last days, and we should live like we're in the last days, because the God, the Bible tells us that we're in the last days. And the Lord has orchestrated it so that every generation, the way he opens up the signs and reveals prophecies as they're being fulfilled, every generation should think that they're the final generation, all right? Which, by the way, I'm pretty convinced we're the final generation. I'm like super excited, but I'm not gonna go off on it because I'm trying to stay focused uh, because if I do go off, I'll go off. But, um, But Peter says, here's what's gonna happen. The Holy Spirit's gonna come in the last days. And oh, by the way, I'm gonna... Pour it out on all mankind. This is not just for the Jewish people anymore. The gospel is for everyone. The power of the Holy Spirit is poured out for everyone. Okay? Verse 21, And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he specifies sons and daughters, young men, old men, men and women, bond slaves. I will in those days pour forth my spirit on them. All right? So, the Lord is promising the Holy Spirit, he had promised the Holy Spirit hundreds of years before, and Peter says we're living it right now. And Peter goes on, we're not going to go through the whole chunk, um, but he then proceeds to go on and give a whole sermon because Peter has been filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And we've talked about this before. Peter, before he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's the guy who's gotta fix God's plans and God doesn't quite understand what's going on here and so we just need to chop off somebody's head in the garden and oh, by the way, we missed so we just chopped off somebody's ear, right? Peter can't successfully kill one person apart from the power of the Holy Spirit but Peter gets filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and in verse 30, sorry, verse 37, Peter delivers this powerful sermon and it says, now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Peter, and and then it tells us later, there's about 3,000 people that get saved right here. All right? So Peter couldn't successfully deal with one guy apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit, and 3,000 people say, We've got to do something. We've got to respond to what we just heard, all right? So he gives them the invitation, right? What do you do? You believe in Jesus Christ and you repent and you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, all right? And then verse 39, this is, and this is super critical for us. He says, for the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. There are movements within the church today that are alive and well, they would say the gifts of the Holy Spirit were a specific manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the age, they'll call it the age of the apostles. And when the last disciple died out, the gifts of the Spirit, as we see them in the book of Acts, died out. And we don't have them anymore. And if we have them, they're weird and they're corrupted and they're tainted. Well, I want to be respectful because there's a lot of very intelligent people who, and there's a lot of people who I have a lot of respect for uh, who love the Lord, love the word of God, who hold that position. But there is no honest way to read this verse and conclude anything other than that the gift of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit and that upon relationship with the Holy Spirit is still relevant today. Because Peter says, this is for you guys and it's for your kids and it's for all who are far off. Well, we're the kids. We're the descendants. We're 2,000 years of descendants and we're far off. This promise is for us, for each one of us. If we repent and are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, right, we're washed by Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, we can receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. So, which then takes us back. We got to keep going back to chapter 1, verse 8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So this invitation is for each one of us, which means each one of us now has access to the power of the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on um, in, sorry, in, in chapter 2, verse 42. The churches, churches start at this point, okay? So those who received the word of, of Peter were baptized. And it says that day there were added about 3,000 souls, verse 42 they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. This is really, this is the model for how we operate our church. And this isn't like we came up with it. This is the Holy Spirit's model for how the church functions. Okay? A group of believers continues steadfastly. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And it's super important that any healthy church have those things going for them, but it's important that that happens in the context of what? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. There are churches that do those four things, you know, and wear them out till they are old, and nothing happens because there's no power, If there's no... Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is not doing the work, Peter did not cut 3,000 men to the heart, right? The Holy Spirit did. We're going to see throughout the rest of the book of Acts, right? Peter doesn't convince the Gentiles that they need to be saved. The Holy Spirit does, right? The, Holy, the Ethiopian isn't convinced by Philip's arguments. The Holy Spirit convinces him, right? It's the power of God. And so the church has to function in a healthy way by continuing in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. But it has to do all of those in the context of the filling of the Holy Spirit, right? In the context of the power of God. So, and, and I want to just give us a couple of thoughts as we're kind of chewing on that, all right? So, the Holy Spirit has, you know, kind of just. Trying to summarize it up a little bit, Holy Spirit's been given. He's been offered to each one of us, to each person who's willing to call upon the name of the Lord, right? So, what does that look like, right? Because that's you know that's where things can get a little dicey. Because it's like, well, I'm saved, right? Like I don't have what does that What does that exactly look like? So, just a couple thoughts, maybe more than a couple. It's probably like at least four. Um, But flip over if you would to Acts chapter eight. And we're just going to look at kind of an example of how this could play out, and then we're going to try and go through, um, I think we'll have time, to just look at a little bit of what does it look like when the Holy Spirit is working? What are some of the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit, and how should that impact our lives, okay? But in chapter 8, verse 12, it's describing uh, the gospel had gone to Samaria, which was a region in, in the Israel area. And in verse 12, It says, But when they, that's the Samaritans, believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. Even Simon himself, that's the guy who's referenced in the previous paragraph, believed. And after being baptized, he continued on with Philip. As he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. Verse 14, Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John. So these guys have received the Word of God, they've believed the Word of God, and they've been baptized. Are they saved? Yes. Are they going to heaven? Yes. So what do the disciples do? They say, let's go pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Right? Because as the Bible teaches it, and sometimes the, the church phrase is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All right. John, the... Well, hold on, let's go. One second, hold that thought. For he, that's the Holy Spirit... Verse 16 had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. So they just they'd been baptized, but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was in them, but He wasn't upon them. And so the disciples said, "Let's go pray that the Holy Spirit comes upon these people." And this gets referenced as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All right, John the Baptist was in the Jordan River baptizing people. And the priest came out to him and said, Are you the Messiah? And he said, No, I'm not. I'm baptizing you with water. Right? I can help you see the symbolism of wine to be purified of your sins. But there's somebody coming after me, and he's going to baptize you with something better than water. Right? What's he going to baptize you with? With fire and with the Holy Spirit. Right? Water can scrape away the dirt. Fire can purify things. Right? Fire changes, like, the cellular structure of things. Fire can rearrange things in a way that water doesn't, right? So he says, no, I'm not baptizing you. I'm baptizing you with the Holy Spirit. I'm baptizing you with water. But he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, which is kind of awesome, actually, if you think about it, right? So the, so as we're looking at this, okay, as we're, you know, we're in this room... I know pretty much everybody in the room, at least decently-ish. Um, I think we're all believers, right? We, can all, we all believe in the Lord. We believe in the resurrection. We've, we've accepted, um, and in the slim chance that I'm wrong and somebody hasn't, do it, right? It's straightforward. But sometimes we can get in this, we can kind of stop right there and say, yeah, the Holy Spirit's in me. I'm saved. I'm good, Right? but it's like but there's that there's that there's that missing element of life. Right? There's that there's that missing edge. It's like there's something I cannot put my finger on, but there is something that is not fully here. Okay? What is that? That is the power of the Holy Spirit. And how do we know that? Well, we get some descriptions in the word of what the spirit is like. So flip over if you would to Galatians Chapter 5, you don't actually, if you guys are tired of flipping, you don't have to flip because we're going to jump a little more. Um, but, anyways, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Now, let's back up. Let's go to verse 16. Paul says, But I say to you, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Paul said, It is impossible. For you to simultaneously walk in the power of the Spirit and satisfy your flesh. If the Holy Spirit is in you, he is transforming you. So walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He doesn't say you'll have better odds. He doesn't say, you know, you'll have a better chance. He says you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh, verse 17, sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. So that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul says, you guys know what the works of the flesh are. Right? You guys know. I know right? Have you ever been in the flesh and had this moment of like, I wonder if that was the flesh? No, and it's usually like, I'm pretty positive that was the flesh, right? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's a pretty amazing list, and that's just the fruit of the Spirit. That's like, if you're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, those are just the things that, you know, happen along. If you're an, if you're an apple branch connected to an apple tree, yeah, you get apples on you. It just kind of happens, right? If you're, you know, I mean, fruit just fruit bears as a natural part of being connected to the main source. All right. So the fruits of being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, just you know, the extras, the perks, if you will, our love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If we just absorbed the perks of being filled with the Holy Spirit, it'd be a pretty fantastically epic life, right? But we don't just absorb the perks. We also get the gifts and the callings and the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? Well, what do those look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. So Romans 12, we're going to jump. There's a couple different spots in the scriptures where we get descriptions of what the gifts of the Holy Spirit look like, and we don't, we're not going to be able to Fully unpack them all tonight, okay? And Romans 12 is gives some, and some Bible teacher Bible teachers would say that every Christian has at least one of these as sort of their primary gift, and yeah, maybe. And then we'll go to First Corinthians, and there's a listing of gifts, and some people would say these are more kind of uh, event specific, maybe. Right Where they come, they might not be a lifelong defining element of what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life, but sometimes it's more in the moment. But Romans 12, um, Paul, having gone through the whole book of Romans, which we'll be reading in a couple of weeks, it's all about the gospel and how the gospel impacts us and all these things. Um, as he gets to Romans 12, I can't flip and talk at the same time, sorry. He says starting in verse 6. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Paul's describing gifts and attributes of what it means to be marked by the gospel, to be marked by the power of the Spirit of God. He said there are going to be people who can prophesy, there are people who can teach. There are going to be people who can serve supernaturally. There are people who can show mercy like it is nobody's business. There's people who can give generously, all right? And so he's, there's people who can exhort. There's people who can say, dude, I love you, but you're messed up in a way that nobody else can pull off, right? There's people who have those gifts and those callings from the Lord because the Holy Spirit is upon them working through them, right. And these, all these gifts, properly applied, what do they do? They glorify God. Right? The Holy Spirit has no interest in exalting any of us. The Holy Spirit is interested in glorifying God in exalting the Lord. And so he gives gifts to exalt himself. 1 right? Corinthians gives us a list of some other gifts. 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 12. Paul describes... Paul says, to eat, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given a word of wisdom. And then he goes on and describes uh, other gifts. He says, there's words of knowledge, there's gifts of faith, there's gifts of healing, there's the effecting of miracles, there's the gift of prophecy, there's the gift of a discerning spirits, there's the gift of tongues, there's the gift of interpreting tongues. Paul says, these are gifts of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of these sound kind of weird to us, right? Because modern Americans aren't really into this kind of stuff, Right? And it's like, that's what, you know, that's what weird people did in like the 60s with Volkswagen Vans and stuff, you know. Interpretations and prophecies and tongues and all that kind of stuff, right? No, 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 but here's the thing. Peter said, you know, so we're, we're kinda looking at the tail end of it now, but we gotta go back, right? What did Peter say? He said, this gift is for you and your kids and for all who are far off. What did Jesus say? He said, you're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you're gonna be my witnesses all across the world. So. The power has not left, right? So it's still available. So what do we, so what do you do, right? So the power's there, but my goodness, when you're living day-to-day life, it doesn't always feel like the power's there, right? You ever, you ever feel short on power, right? Like you're just pulling way too many amps out of that breaker, right? Or there's, um, it's been stuck in my head all day. There, there's, a, there's a song, uh. And, like, the, the tagline is you're spending all your time pushing on a pole door. Right? And sometimes that's what we're doing. It's like we're, you know, we're, we're pushing, we're gonna get there. And, you know, you can break the door down, you can shoulder it, you can blow it up, or you could just kind of, you know, pull it. Right? You could just open it up. And sometimes that's what we do. We, we try and get obsessed with like, well, maybe if we studied more of the word, maybe if we prayed more, maybe if we fasted more, maybe if we did more time at church, maybe if we gave more money, maybe if we went on mission trips, maybe if we did this or this or this or this. And not that any of those things are bad in and of themselves, but if they are disconnected from the power of the Holy Spirit, they're worthless. They are absolutely worthless. But here's the beautiful thing. How do you get the Holy Spirit? How do you receive the Holy Spirit? Right? What were the disciples doing when they received the Holy Spirit? They were in the upper room, praying. That, that, that's, that doesn't say you know, they weren't praying in Latin. They, they probably were praying in Greek, but you don't have to learn Greek. Um, just because Greek was what they knew. Um, but in the Gospel of John, we're almost done flipping three different places. But in the Gospel of John, chapter 7... Verse 37. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. John says he was talking about the Holy Spirit. And it hadn't happened yet because Jesus hadn't been fully glorified yet. Alright? But Jesus, what's Jesus say? He says, if you, if you want the Holy Spirit, if you're thirsty, if you're empty, you come to me. And what's weird, he says, you come to me and drink and then living water is going to flow out. Right? Holy Spirit coming in us is a beautiful thing. When the Holy Spirit comes in for us for salvation, I mean, that's one of the most amazing gifts, right? And end, if it stopped right there, we would still be in absolute awe and gratitude to the Lord for what he's done, right? But he didn't just come in. He came in, and now he can flow out, right? So if you're, if, if you're short on the power, if I'm short on the power of God living in my life, working, right, then, yes, you need to receive it, but we are not given the Holy Spirit just so we can absorb it and blow it up. We're given the Holy Spirit so they can then flow out for the glory of God, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, right? We're given the Holy Spirit because God wants to not just work in us. He wants to work through us, right? And so, really, from the day of Pentecost onward, the book of Acts, it's, you know, the, the official title of the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles, and really... That's not, that's not what the book should be called because it's really the Acts of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts is, here's what happens when people receive power because the Holy Spirit's come upon them. right? So that's the book of Acts. And, so, you know, so if you want the power of the Holy Spirit, ask for it. Ask God to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Ask God to really open your heart to receive it. And then be ready because he'll give it to you and it might be a little bit awkward it might be a little bit scary there might be some promptings that you think boy that feels like the holy spirit but I really wish it wasn't right there might be moments when you're like I think I'm, I'm being called to say something I'm being called to do something right to not just let the holy spirit fall in I'm, I'm being called to let the holy spirit fall out right now oh my gosh what am I gonna do right well do it right But if you want to receive power, ask for it, right? If you want to find, you know, find somebody here and say, hey, would you pray with me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And sometimes the Lord gives that right away when you pray. Sometimes you pray and it's a slow, gradual process, right? And the Lord likes to work in each one of our stories individually. So I'm not gonna stand up here and say, you know, if you pray right now, you will start speaking in tongues because that's not not really a biblical position to say that every person who gets baptized with the Holy Spirit will speak in tongues, right? It's, I have no, I totally believe in the gifts of tongues, right? I really do. I believe they're active and alive today. I believe the Holy Spirit's glorifying himself through it. I'm not saying that you'll receive the gift of healing, but I completely believe that the gift of healing is alive and well today. And I believe the Lord just might give you the gift of healing. He might give you the power through him to pray for somebody and then watch them get healed, Right? And if he does, and he then, you know, tells you, go pray for this person to be healed. Okay, you know, go pray for that person to be healed. If he gives you, you know, a gift of discerning spirits, and you're like, man, there's this, you know, this person's giving me a sales pitch on some sort of religious thing, and there's something weird, right? Or a a word of knowledge to say, I know something that's going on right now, and I mathematically cannot know that, right? Or the wisdom to say, hey, there's, you know, there's a couple options here i know on paper this one looks better but it's just not right that's just, I'm, the holy spirit wants to work through us right and i think oftentimes we sometimes don't see it in the modern church because we're so reluctant to admit it because it forces a greater dependency on the lord and a great and a lesser dependency on us because if the holy spirit is working then oh by the way we're not in control right we're not in charge we don't get to call the shots but my goodness it's exciting right and so you know so if you're dry go to jesus if you're empty if if you're short on power if if you're if you're pushing on a pole door pray for the baptism of the holy spirit and jesus said let him come and i will give it right if you lack power, the power of God in your life, Jesus has promised to give it. He said, you know, you're, he's talking to the people. He said, you know, if, if your kid came to you and asked you for food, you wouldn't give him a rock. He said, you're evil. You're sinful people, and you know how to give good gifts to your kids. You know how to bless your kids. He said, how much more do you think that my Father in Heaven is going to give the Holy Spirit to people who ask? Right? You guys are depraved, perverted human beings, he said. And you know how to be nice to your kids. What do you think the God of all creation wants to do to his kids? Right? I mean, that's that's just like a whole new level. Right? So so the Lord wants to do something in each of our hearts. The Lord wants to open our eyes. The Lord wants to, to really, I think, blow our minds with who he is. The Lord wants to work in us, but he really also wants to work through us. Because he wants to be glorified. He wants to exalt himself. And so, you know, I'm just encouraging all of us, and myself, very much included in this, Pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, and it is in some ways kind of a, it's, it's kind of a, I don't call it like an entry point. There's oftentimes a specific moment when you'll say I was baptized with the Holy Spirit, right? But after that, you keep praying for it. God, fill me up. Somebody once asked, there was a pastor, uh, I think it was D.L. Moody, was talking about praying for the Holy Spirit every day. Somebody said, why do you pray for the Holy Spirit every day? He said, because I leak, right? We kind of drain out. And so, Pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you know what you do the next day? You pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what you do the next day? You pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's, you know, it's not, it's, the, the beautiful thing about the gospel, the beautiful thing about how Christianity works is it's so simple and you can spend the rest of your life unpacking just how simple it is, right? So if anybody thirsts, Jesus said, let them come to me. I'll give them a the drink and Living water is going to flow out. Right? Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you. Peter said, this is for you and your children. This is for everybody. God said, I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind. The young men will have visions. The old men will dream dreams. Right? Men and women, they're going to prophesy. So don't sell the Lord short. Don't, don't assume that those things can't or won't happen. Right? So pray for it. Be ready for the Lord to do something, because I think he really wants to use it in each of our hearts. I think he wants to really say, hey, guys, let me open your eyes, right, Let me really show you right now who I am, what I can do, what my power is actually like, All Right? So let's pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we want to be filled. God, we're so thankful that your Holy Spirit's been with us and that, it's come in, that he's come into us at the point of salvation. But God, we want him to come upon us. We want to absorb all that you have for us. We want living water to flow in so that living water can flow right back out. God, we want to see you exalted in our lives. We pray for the humility to hunger for your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would fill each and every person in this room right now, God, that we would just be desperate for you. We pray that we would get to watch your power flow into our lives, that we'd get to watch you Teach us and grow us and disciple us. God, manifest your glory in our hearts. Just draw us near to you, God. We want to we be part of that prophecy in Joel. We want to be partakers of the fulfillment of that. We want to live like it matters. We want to live like your Holy Spirit is real and like you have a vision for us for right now. Like you have a plan that involves us. So God, give us... Give us the boldness, give us the faith and the courage and the obedience to really walk in that, to to allow that to fill our lives. God, send your spirit into our hearts in a fresh and powerful way, and we pray that you would be exalted, and it is in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray, amen.